Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. (laughs) I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. So a lot of our conversations or those icky, uncomfortable conversations are around how are we balancing our financial responsibilities in a really even and fair way when we're making different salaries. Welcome to Everyone's Talking Money podcast. I'm your host, Shauna Game. There's no judgment, no dumb questions, just smart conversations about you and your money. So come on in and grab a seat. Everyone is welcome here. Can we just be real here for a minute? Whether you're dating and trying to find your love match, or maybe you're in a long-term partnership, the last thing you want to do, right, is have those awkward money conversations. Because money is so hard to deal with when you're by yourself, but you put a partner into that mix and Everything around money can just be downright scary. After working one-on-one with so many couples over the years, I can report that the most commonly asked questions were about how do you find financial compatibility and how do you start having some of those really icky money conversations that are just so important? 
our guest, Michael Kay, head of global communications at OkCupid, believes that you gotta just lean into those uncomfy feels, start having these money conversations, no matter what. I think it's so important to be having these conversations really early on, because I would say money and finances are right up there with how you feel about children or education for your children. These are the conversations that you want to have early on. So you don't end up five years into a relationship engaged or even married with someone where you're really not compatible on those really important issues. And it turns out that being smart with your money is actually a huge turn on. According to Michael, over 4 million people on the app answered the question, are you currently saving to buy your own home? And of those who did answer the question, get this, they got 13% more likes and 24% more matches. So yeah, having these conversations around money, no matter where you are in a relationship, it's actually important. So Michael's sharing more about all this really juicy information and how to find financial compatibility in this fun episode dedicated to finding your true love. So let's start talking. You know, when we talk about relationship and money and dating, I mean, I could do I could do every episode on this subject because so many people are just um you know, fascinated by it, uh, fascinated by the idea of how do I talk to my partner about money? And it doesn't matter whether you are just newly dating or like myself, who's been married for about 10 years, it's still just a really tricky subject. Um, and I I met my husband about 12 years ago on a different app, dating app, Match.com. And, you know, it was interesting because we both had been married before. And so I don't know if it was just because of that or because I'm in um, the money field or what, but you know, from like first date, we really started to just talk about money and talk about the life we wanted. And you know, I shared, um, you know, when I got divorced previously, I basically had to give up all my money. And so, you know, we had these like really honest conversations around money, but most people don't do that. Most people would rather talk about anything other than money, especially when they're dating and then with that other person to feel like, um, you know, like they're perfect, the perfect match for them. So I wanted to kind of start out talking about this idea of financial compatibility when you're dating. You know, um, how do we find financial compatibility when talking about money is this big, like taboo topic? Yeah, it's definitely a topic that people feel so uncomfortable with, myself included. So I met my boyfriend on Tinder. We've been dating almost nine years this summer. And I will say the most uncomfortable conversation in the beginning of our relationship was around money. And we get similar, but kind of different questions than other couples too. Um, You know, I, I think for heterosexual couples, a lot of the expectation is placed on the man because of traditional gender roles. For us, a lot of people ask like, how do you know who pays for what with two men in a relationship? Mm, So really early on, we actually started off on very even playing fields. I had just graduated college. I did not yet have a job. He was a college senior, so still a student. And we sort of began our careers around very similar times. We're in different fields, so we also make different salaries. So a lot of our conversations or those icky, uncomfortable conversations are around, 
how are we balancing our financial responsibilities in a really even and fair way when we're making different salaries? Um, and it's something that's taken a couple years for us to get used to and figure out. Um, but for us, it's really dependent on, you know, who's making more and how we're splitting things. And we'll still balance our dates pretty evenly. So I love the movies. Someone will pay for the movies. The other person will pay for candy. But I think it's so important to be having these conversations really early on because I would say money and finances are right up there with how you feel about children or education for your children. These are the conversations that you want to have early on so you don't end up five years into a relationship engaged or even married with someone where you're really not compatible on those really important issues. I think it's so important. I'm so glad that you shared your perspective as well and kind of the differences, um, you know, when you're when you're dating. And, um, you know, the therapist, right, they always say that the number, the two number one reasons why people get divorced are money and, and sex. <laughs> and so obviously, we're not here to tackle the sex part. But, um, but the money part, we are. And I, you know, it was interesting when I went out with my husband, we went out on, on one date. And he asked me out on another date the next night. And I was like, Oh, well, I always already have a date lined up. He was like, well, okay. And so I went out with somebody who on on paper or on the dating app, you know, you would think is like, okay, this is the perfect guy. And we met at a restaurant and we went into the bar and he sat down and the waitress came over and she was like, hey, you know, what would you like to drink? And And he ordered a drink first. And I'm typically not you know, someone that really cares who orders first, but in like a dating perspective, I was like, wait a minute, you know, I, I think I should probably order first, but okay. So he orders a drink and then he says to the waitress, um, oh, you know what? I, I guess she's worthy of me buying her a drink. I'm not sure yet, but, but I guess. So, you know, let her get whatever she wants. <laughs> So that's what he says in front of me. And it's, it's so interesting, you know, when we have this conversation around money, for a lot of us, there's like also a, a, um, like a worthiness piece of it too, that kind of comes into a play. And it's, it's just really interesting to, you know, to, to see all these kind of like t tangled webs that even just show up when we're, when we're dating someone, even on a, just a first date. And so I always tell people like, Think about all the times that um, money like comes into play, even when you're on a date and you you don't think you're actually having a money conversation, but there is like this money conversation or dialogue between the two of you actually happening. Yeah, absolutely. First of all, that is so cringy. <laughs> um, I like almost fell off my chair hearing that. But yes, I mean, there's a reason why people say money makes the world go round. It really factors into a lot of our stress points, a lot of our pain points when it comes to friends, relationships. Again, this goes beyond romantic. Think about how many times you're going out to dinner with friends or coworkers and there's someone who's complaining, well, I had water, I didn't have a drink. Totally. Or I had an appetizer and that person didn't. You know, there I think that's a really interesting point that you make that, you know, a lot of our conversations um or or arguments like stem back to money. And it's not something I fully thought about before this. <laughs> I'm I'm here to open your eyes wide. You've got you've got all the data, and I'll, I'll, I'll fill in the blanks there. Um, this is probably more of a of a opinion based question, Michael. But like, super interested in in what you think about this. Is there 
a specific point in time that you think in the dating relationship when it's okay to talk about money? Or, you know, is it something where, you know, you want to wait until you flush out like whether this person is somebody who is probably going to be a decent match before you start having those conversations? I would say definitely address it in the first handful of dates. But before you're actually super transparent or blunt about these money conversations, I think there's ways earlier on to allude to what you're interested in knowing. So for example, there's a lot of things to talk about on a first date. What do you do for work? What is your family background? All of those are opportunities for you to pick up clues on how much money this person is making, how responsible they are with their money. Um, And it'll tell you a lot about a person without you, you know, being super specific or straightforward with these like money focused conversations or questions that you might have. So think about these like creative workarounds is my recommendation there and start right from the first date. I used to tell people that um, I'm just going to go into a first date. I'm going to ask them for their social security number and I'm just going to pull <laughs> their their credit report up. <laughs> and someone said, I really don't think that's going to be very helpful in uh, in getting a match. So kind of drop that point. But, you know, also thinking about this idea I kind of have my my thoughts on this, but wondering what you're thinking. Is it a red flag if you're interested in someone and maybe you broach the topic of money and they're just not interested at all in going, you know, in that direction and having those conversations? I think it's a red flag for if if that's what happens to you when bringing up any conversation because communication is so important in relationships and if there's something that's really top of mind for you, and you're dating someone who's very adamant about not having that conversation, I would argue that that's not the person for you because none of us want to be in a situation where we feel we can't be vulnerable or transparent or honest about what's on our mind. So I definitely think that's a red flag, but I think that's a red flag for any type of conversation. (laughs) I agree, right? Uh, I also think it's really interesting. A lot of my friends that talk about dating, and you know, they'll they'll be on an app, a particular app, and you know, we're we're so focused now on just what somebody looks like, right? The the swiping aspect, and you know, uh, uh, I think we intuitively know that there's got to be more there than just what someone looks like. But I think it's interesting that specifically around money. Uh, I know women still in particular are um, focused on, you know, does does the partner make enough money to support me? And I think it's interesting from my perspective, being a money expert for so many years, I have seen where, you know, obviously you want somebody who is a, a partner financially with you, but there is a lot of shit that happens in life where, you know, maybe something happens to the other partner or they lose their job or they get sick or they get hurt or they get injured. And, you know, the money piece isn't there for you to rely on, right? And it com- then it comes back to like, do you just genuinely love and and respect this person that you're in a relationship for? Um, and I think, you know, it's so hard to remove the money piece when you're first dating someone because it's it's something that I feel like you know, culturally, we all kind of, you know, hang on to you. I'm just, just curious, like what, what your thoughts are on that, you know, going through the dating sites and like trying to find your partner. I think, you know, 
if we look at the United States specifically, um, and don't quote me on this, but I read a lot of different reports and data studies. Um, and if we look at last year, I believe women were earning an average of 82% of what men earn. So it kind of annoys me when we, when we look at heterosexual couples, um, when women or people who identify as women are characterized as gold diggers or too money conscious, if they're looking for a partner who makes a lot of money, um, or someone who can support them financially, I think they're doing it not for superficial reasons, but for very, very realistic reasons. They could be working longer hours, have higher titles than their male counterparts or their male romantic partners, and still not be making anywhere near them. And then if you do get married, what happens if that doesn't work out? You need to make sure you're secure. So I think these are really important conversations and things that really should be top of mind for everyone. I mean, these are conversations my boyfriend and I have been having for years. We talk about bank accounts and prenups and all these conversations that might be uncomfortable, but they're really important to address because you have to be with someone that I think you're really aligned with on all these like major topics. Um, so I, I definitely think that if you are looking for someone on a dating app or in real life, however you're finding someone, this is something you should be definitely considering. Um, if you're not yourself in a situation where you can be financially independent. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I I want to talk a little bit about this data. And I would imagine being at OkCupid, you have just a ton of really interesting information that would probably um some of it would be super revealing. But I know you did um this survey, you partnered with Realtor.com, which I find just a really fascinating partnership just in itself. And you found some really interesting data around real estate investing and dating and how people were, you know, kind of finding their love match through that. I'd love for you to just like walk us through some of these really interesting findings. Yeah, absolutely. So for anyone who's unfamiliar with OkCupid, we match people on what matters to them through in-app questions. And these questions power our algorithm. And the responses to our questions are where our data comes from. And that really inspires everything we're doing from a communications, marketing, and product standpoint. It helps us identify what's top of mind for users all around the world, because we have daters in over 100 countries. So last year, um, in during summer of 2022, we actually partnered with Realtor.com, which is another very data-driven company. And what was interesting is, you know, data is the reason why we partnered with them. We looked at the data that we had available. And over the past few years, what we were seeing is that 4 million people on our app answer the question, are you currently saving to buy your own home? And people who said yes, jumped from 41% in 2019 to 48% in 2022. So a pretty sizable jump in just a few years. And when we look at last summer specifically, our data showed that singles who were saving to buy a home got 13% more likes and 24% more matches on OkCupid than those wow. who aren't. So people who are being really financially responsible and they're saving for their future specifically to buy a home are just more successful on OkCupid. The 
weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited. And it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash etm to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash etm. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied, or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete.me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web, and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft, doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete.me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. <laughs> I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one time service, Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash E-T-M. Go to joindeleteme.com slash E-T-M and use code E-T-M for 20% off. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals, so you need Monarch. 
That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks and they even allow customers to submit suggestions vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash E-T-M for your extended 30-day free trial. That's really fascinating to me that um, the idea of, it's it's interesting, I guess, for me as a money expert, because, you know, saying that we're saving, you're saving for a home or to buy a home, you know, gives you just like the tiniest bit of a snapshot into someone's finances and, you know, still doesn't really give you like a good gauge of whether, uh, you know, whether it's realistic for them to buy a house, whether they're doing other things with their money or not doing other things. So I think it's really interesting that I guess this kind of goes back to just our cultural expectations around money that like buying a house is something that we all should do and it's like the you know the peak of um financial success or whatever those words are for for whoever's listening and so i think it's really interesting that that uh you know people who said that they were saving to buy a house that they just got more more interest yeah absolutely and i mean we have a ton of data so there's so so much to share on this topic um but we also looked at generational differences and found that Millennials are 32% more likely than Gen X to say owning a home is a bigger turn on than being attractive. So we're literally seeing that people on our dating app specifically are, you know, less concerned with your looks and more concerned about you achieving or wanting to achieve this pretty significant milestone in, in someone's life coming from someone who's still a renter. Um, I know that's something that's really top of mind for me and my partner. Do you think that some of this data has changed since we've gone through the pandemic and people have really, um, you know, looked at their lives, look at how they want to spend their time, even, you know, the partner that they're with and kind of, I guess, like everybody's done a whole like reeval of of their whole life. Do you feel like some of this data has shifted because of that time? Yeah, absolutely. I think the pandemic gave each of us a lot of time to sit back and think about what's important to us. What's important to us in work, in relationships, in friendships. I've seen couples break up. I've seen friendships stripped apart. I've seen people change jobs. Um, I think 
I mean, I'm someone who lives in New York City. It's a very fast-paced city. And I would say the pandemic was a moment for all of us to be forced to slow down and just take a moment and relax and think about everything in our lives and, and what's important. So I've seen a lot of people buy homes. I see a lot of people you know, realize that their relationship wasn't working out or that this is the person that they want to spend the rest of their life with and sort of accelerate that timeline. Um, had a lot of people get engaged, married, have kids, buy a home all in the last couple of years. So, you know, this was a, a really big learning opportunity for, for all of us. And have you seen on the app, um, you know, the number of people that, that are out there that are dating? Have you seen that gone up since the pandemic? You know, before you answer that, I just, I think it's really fun. Like my couple friends that, that we have, you know, um, one of them, we, we were asking like, how long have you been married? And they were like, oh, we've been married five years, but we went through the pandemic and we count pandemic years as 10 years. So really, we've been married like 15 years. So it's really interesting, I think, to hear people's perspective of the relationship and going through the pandemic. But like looking at the, the dating side of things, have, have more people, you know, kind of gone into the pool of, of dating? Yeah, um, this is a really interesting moment for us at the beginning of the pandemic. And I think we all had a few seconds where we were like, how is this going to impact dating? Um, but OKCupid user engagement increased drastically as shutdowns intensified during the beginning months of the pandemic. Um, and early on, I want to say within the first week of lockdown, so think probably March, April of 2020, all over the world, matches on OKCupid increased 10% and conversations increased over 20%. And for anyone listening, the percentages might sound small. But think about the volume of conversations and the volume of daters. There are millions and millions of people on OKCupid. So that was a ton of matches that were happening and a ton of conversations. And there's always periods throughout the year uh, where that ebbs and flows. Um, but overall, during the pandemic, activity, activity of an engagement has really skyrocketed on, on the app and on, on many dating apps. What do you think the future is for dating apps? Obviously, you're at OKCupid, and so um, you know you you help the you know OKCupid grow and be more sustainable. But you know, there's so many different dating apps out there. How do you find the dating app that um, I don't know that that you feel like you can connect with and find the right person through? Yeah, I read a report recently that said there's about 1500 dating apps in the world. So there's a lot. <laughs> I of did not know that. Um, so for anyone who complains about dating apps, I'm always like, there's an app for you somewhere. Um, and I, I think you have to be careful about which app you choose. And it, I, I would encourage everyone to think about what their intent is. What are they really looking for? If you're looking for hookups, that's totally fine. But be honest with yourself about that and find an app that matches that. On OkCupid, we tend to bring in a higher intent dater, and that's by design. So what I mean by that is we, most of our users are people who are looking for meaningful, long-term relationships, um, committed relationships. And committed does mean or does include open relationships or closed relationships. So I just want to call that out. Um, but for us, we designed our product in a way where it's not super easy to create a profile and start dating on OkCupid. We really want you to do the work. So it's not just your name and a photo. 
you have to add multiple photos. You have to fill in multiple profile prompts. You have to fill in all your different preferences on OkCupid. And then you have to answer at least 15 of our in-app matching questions. And the more questions you answer, the more compatible your matches are going to be. Because with every user you see on OkCupid, you'll get a match percentage. And if you click that match percentage, you'll see all the questions you answered in common and where you agree and disagree with these people because not every question is weighted equally for people. I love iced coffee. I've been drinking it this entire conversation. And I love horror movies. My boyfriend has literally never had a sip of coffee. I think that's pure insanity. Um, And he's not the biggest fan of horror movies, but almost nine years strong, like we're good because we align on those core values. Um, But we like to make it easy for people to find those they're most compatible with because we know you're all really busy and we don't want to make you waste time dating someone where you're just not aligned. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. And that's another good point that, you know, iced coffee and horror movies to you are, are the things that, that you love, but, but finding a good match, a good partner that's going to, you know, last the test of time, you don't have to be aligned in every single detail. You don't have to like exactly the same things there. The fun is that there is some duality to, uh, to relationships, I think. And I think, you know, if we bring it back to money, there's a place to for um, you know, both people in the in the relationship to have d- different money stories, to have different money successes and and mistakes, and uh to have, you know, money questions and to have this kind of realness that needs to, I believe, come into relationships around money and not just be about, um, you know, perfectionism around money and always having, you know, the perfect answer and making the best choice with your money. I feel like it's it's so hard when we bring those elements into relationship. It's just, it feels to me like you're just um, setting yourself up for for failure when you don't allow kind of the humanity to come in. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Um, And I think that's why so many of us, myself included, avoid so many different types of conversations because we're nervous that we don't have all the answers going into it, or we don't have the perfect plan or that five-year, 10-year plan that might be asked. So I hear you. I agree. I'm a perfectionist. It's really hard for me, but we can all do this together. Are you a Capricorn? I am not. I'm a Cancer, actually. I knew we got along for a reason. My boyfriend's <laughs> cancer. 
But yeah, that perfectionist thing, man, that, that's that's really hard, really hard to beat. And then when you're somebody who is a money expert, trying to not be perfect about money is really challenging and really difficult, as uh, as my husband can absolutely, absolutely attest. Well, I'm wondering, okay, so we talked about um, this data around, you know, real estate and investing and dating. I'm wondering if there's any other like really juicy or interesting kind of data points that you have, maybe just on on how people connect or, you know, some of these like most popular questions that people, you know, are answering? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think this one is going to be helpful for anyone who feels like they're alone in being overwhelmed with conversations around finance or their own personal finances. Um, but coming into 2023, I really wanted to know what's keeping daters up at night. Like, what's their biggest stressor? So I just literally added a question about what stresses you out the most. And there's already been more than 25,000 people who have responded to this. And a surprise and perfect tee up for this conversation, finances top the list. 36% of those respondents said finances are what's stressing them out the most, followed by 28% who said jobs. 19% said politics and 17% said family and friends. So I share that because I think it's helpful to understand that we're not alone in this and that should encourage or hopefully encourage people to be having these conversations more often because you're not alone in your feelings around being overwhelmed with finances or, you know, feeling awkward about addressing these topics with a romantic partner or a friend or a roommate, whomever it is. I think that's really interesting. I mean, A, that's a brilliant question for you to add, because uh, I, I would imagine there's some really interesting responses, but it doesn't surprise me that money is the thing that keeps people up at night. I think you know, money's this interesting thing. It's the reason I do this show, that it's this taboo topic that we don't want to deal with, but we have to. We can't ignore it. It's it's there. It's we need it like air and water and um, you know, so it's it's a very complex um complex topic, you know, something that I always suggest to people with whether they're first dating or you know they've been married for a while is to uh, have what I call a money date where you you know you go somewhere that you both enjoy or whether it's a, a park or favorite restaurant or just at home with a glass of wine or whatever really feels good to you and and your partner and you just start asking questions around money not not anything from a judgmental point of view but just from a more of an understanding place you know how do you feel about money how were you raised how was money talked about in your house what are your biggest goals and dreams you know all of these questions i think that really help you connect as a partner and open that line of communication around money and hopefully relieve some of the stress because like you said, you know, we're we're all in this together. We're all fearful of this of this thing of money, of 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 not having the life we want to have. So I think finding these ways to connect with your partner is is really important. And it it can actually be fun, dare I say. I love that, especially coming from a family where at least in the beginning, I feel like my parents swept a lot under the rug, at least in front of me. So I'm sure they had one-on-one conversations with each other. Um, but in my early years, at least in middle school and high school, and um, I, I rarely heard about any money stresses from them. It wasn't honestly until we started looking at different colleges 
that I really understood the pressure they were under financially. And we started having more open dialogues. And it was really helpful. Yeah, I know. It's um, it's it's hard to talk about it with money. I've shared this on uh, a couple of episodes. This might actually surprise you that um, there's a, a statistic out there that by age seven, your money personality is pretty much set in stone based off of what you saw and heard as, as a kid. Whether you heard anything about money or nothing about money, you still we're getting, um, you know, really strong impressions around money and how we all kind of interact with money and learning from your parents or whoever raised you. And I always think that's so interesting because I don't really remember anything <laughs> prior to age seven. So to think that it was that impactful um, of, of how I do money today is just, um, you know, it's, it's just kind of mind blowing to me. Oh, that's fascinating. Um, it, I feel like that reminds me of, um, I don't know what the stat is, but there was a, um, I guess a study or something done years ago that found the music that you listen to when you're in elementary school Ooh. and middle school that you hear often becomes a genre that is something you gravitate towards later on in life. And my, my dad was in the army and he moved around. So he heard a lot of country and he used to play country music a lot during our summers. And it drove me nuts. I was like, please shut this off. And from high school, come college, was listening to a lot of country. (laughs) It got in there. (laughs) He won. He won. He won. Well, I'm also wondering, you know, what are some of the ways you've seen OkCupid, you know, evolve in in the dating universe and, and, you know, how people like to date or more importantly, like how they like to find, um, find their person? Yeah, I think OkCupid, or one reason I really love working at OkCupid is that we have a lot of firsts under our belt. So I think we've always done a really great job at paying attention to what our users are telling us, what's going on in the landscape. Um, We've been around for almost 20 years. We were the first major dating app to expand gender and orientation options. We were the first major dating app to introduce a pronouns feature. We um, have in-app questions that are specifically created for and available to the LGBTQ plus community. That started in 2004 when we launched. Um, Even within that category of questions, we have questions that are only for bisexual people or only for gay people, because we understand that even within that community, not everyone is the same. We're the only dating app to introduce a Black Lives Matter badge, a I'm pro-choice badge. So There's a lot of firsts under our belt. Um, And what I've seen, the biggest change I've seen, especially in my time here, is what people are prioritizing when it comes to dating. When I joined almost four years ago in 2019, I looked at our most answered questions. And a lot of those questions were around, if you like a coffee date, if you want to go to the movies, if you want to go to a restaurant. And then we got hit with a global pandemic. And over the past year, or the past couple of years, you know, I recently looked at what's top of mind for our female daters um, in, in January of this year. And the most answered questions had nothing to do with coffee or dinner. The <laughs> questions were, do you support marriage equality? Are you pro-choice? Should the government defund Planned Parenthood? Is it important to practice self-love? Um, how do you feel dis- about discussing mental health with your partner? So, I, you know, I think there's been a culture shift um, that, that we've seen over the past few years, and we're adapting to it really well through our, question, through our questions. 
Um, but it's, it's really nice to see. I think people are reprioritizing what's important to them when it comes to finding a date um, or a relationship. And also, I think people are getting to the meat of what's important to them, which is really exciting that we can go deeper than coffee dates and, and movies and, and things like not that those things are important, very important, but we go a little bit deeper. So if, if someone has never used an app, a dating app, or maybe they're getting back into the dating pool post pandemic, um, do you have like a, like a checklist of, you know, what they should start thinking about, um, what they should be looking for when they're, you know, starting to go out there and, and date on the app? Yeah, absolutely. Um, first, take a moment to yourself and figure out what you're actually looking for. Are you looking for a Saturday night or Saturday nights for the rest of your life? And no matter what you're looking for, that's okay. And there's going to be people who appreciate that and feel the exact same way. So just be honest with yourself about, you know, what's the end goal for you? I think that's really important. Um, and then spend a lot of time on your profile and be vulnerable and be transparent. Ask your friends for help if you're overwhelmed. Um, and make sure with everything that you're putting into your profile, it's positive and it serves a purpose. So what I mean by that, and that works for OkCupid or Hinge or Tinder, whatever your dating app of choice is, but I'm always helping friends swipe on the apps. And the biggest turnoff I see is someone saying swipe left if or anything along those lines, basically a check uh, right. what they're not interested in. So I, I think that's important to have in your head, but instead of focusing on your deal breakers, I tell people to highlight their deal makers. So what makes you swipe right on someone? Why do you want someone to swipe right on you? That's what you really should be shining a light on. Um, and then my second point around everything serving a purpose, make sure anything you're putting in your profile prompts and your photos are something that people can respond to. No one has much to say about five of the same exact selfies. But if you upload a photo of you at a Taylor Swift concert, running a marathon, on vacation, I can immediately say, what's your favorite T-Swift album? Where is your next marathon? Where do you want to travel to next? And it's easy for me to jump right in and start that conversation because Hey, Hi, Hello has the highest rate of being ignored on dating apps. Ooh, I love it. Those are some great points. And I think we can circle that back to this idea of financial compatibility too, right? That you know, being being honest, being transparent. Um, and I think even, you know, when I um when I I actually broke all the rules with my husband because I said I was only gonna go out with people who found me and I was only gonna go out with coffee dates. And um I ended up uh sending him a message first and our first date was actually dinner. It was not coffee. So I broke all the rules. But the whole reason I'm saying this is that you know sometimes even if there's a little something that you see in someone it's worth reaching out it's worth um investigating and even if you feel like maybe you might not be on the same financial plane i still would encourage people to to kind of give it a go so i'm wondering you know if you have any like last words to leave us with on this idea of of finding financial compatibility yeah um 
I think we like address this earlier or at least a couple points in the, in the conversation. But I think when it comes to financial compatibility and really any type of compatibility, it all starts with conversation. And dating apps are made as a place that fosters connection and conversation. So read through someone's profile, have these conversations. I recommend having them in person. But if it's something you want to address earlier on and you you know, want to see if you're on the same page prior to meeting up, have a conversation via the app or texting or FaceTime or phone call. Um, but address these things early on. If it's from personal experience, if it's top of mind for you and you're not letting it out, it's only going to get bigger over time. Those icky feelings about having money conversations, mm, they never actually completely go away, no matter how long you're with someone. But I promise you, they can be rather painless conversations, as long as you remember to keep judgment away and just focus on what will make for a solid money partnership. And if you get scared, come back to Michael's advice of figuring out your deal makers and deal breakers. And don't be afraid to walk away from a relationship if you're feeling like financial compatibility is just not in the cards. You can find OKCupid at OKCupid on all the social channels. You can also find Michael at MichaelKPR on Instagram and Twitter. And go ahead, send him a DM with any of the dating questions that you have. He'd love to dive in and answer them. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with your partner, someone you know who might be in a relationship or just starting dating so they can navigate their way through these money conversations. As always, you can head to the show notes for all the links to our episode guests, as well as the sponsors who help make this show possible. I'll see you back here in a few days for a brand new episode.